This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Back of the Nest Review Show. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com Welcome one and all to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host Terence Ford and Albert Curley is back to join me and Sam Heskiff as we build you up to Fulham with not looking back sadly a little bit to the very disappointing one all draw against Brighton. Back of the Nest. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. PitchDMM.com Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Heskiff, I'm I'm scared to touch on you so early because I know you're going to be miserable tonight, but welcome to the show. Yeah, no one likes touching on me. Story of my life. (laughs) Hello. Um, Albert, welcome back from Scouse Land. Thanks, mate. Survived. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't didn't bring back, um, you're not a super spreader now, are you? No, not of COVID anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just shit podcast um right what we got though so first i had a request for this damn i'm thirsty i want a beer what about you you want a beer i'm gonna leave you three to it man yeah someone on twitter actually requested that we bring back the soundboard beer check so there you go and um you missed out last week albert it was a, ch- a chocolate fudge, fudge cake stout that i went for um so i thought i wouldn't let i wouldn't let you miss out so this this week it's sunday sauce chocolate and vanilla sunday stout um from from hamilton oh goodness me i don't know i'm just um what do you do put a bit of whipped cream on it (laughs) marshmallows on top is it yeah i think last week's one would have stood a flake up in it but um I can't believe that I've I went to Liverpool and actually went to a restaurant um, and came across Pup's Blue Ribbon. <laughs> sent you a picture saying, "Look what I've got! I've come back and you've not played that jingle." And now I'm having to, as you can tell, crowbar it in. Oh no! I actually, oh, you should have said. I did say I sent you. I sent you. I sent you a message when I was there. I think I even took a selfie with it. Sent that over. Nothing. Oh, Nothing. Th- is that in the WhatsApp chat that we've both muted? <laughs> I don't know. I g- have you muted it? I genuinely haven't seen this message, to so be the, honest. The waiter kept calling it another PBR. Sorry, another PBR, because he was from Liverpool. P- PBR. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and, I don't, And for I the don't record, know. have you had it before? Yeah, I have, yes. Like, it's, I'd say it's less offensive than Heineken. So all that... You know, all that in the jingle. Heineken? Uh, like, it was waterier than Heineken. I, in fact, I liked it. Do you know where the jingle comes from? I have no idea. It's from the movie Blue Velvet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, go back on... Have you watched that film? I assume you have. No, I haven't watched it. Oh, really? No. Oh, goodness. My dad, who will be listening, will be very, very upset with you. Oh, no. Sorry, Mr. Ford. It's his favourite of all time. But um, 
Yeah. So what? Well, oh, let me taste this beer first, and then Heskiff, you can tell me that you're drinking Modelo. Um, I'm drinking water, but we are recording. Albert will put me in my place if I'm wrong. Is it not Back to the Future Day today? I have no idea what the day is. What the day 20, today is? Twenty first of October. Is that the day that Doc Brown invented time travel? It's the day they go back to or something, isn't it? I thought it was your favourite film of all time. Come on. Yeah, I'm busy, mate. I can't Bloody hell. Rubbish. Making movies, not remembering movies. I was trying to get in your good graces there by talking about your favourite film ever and you don't well, even know it. Well, even then you wouldn't get in my good graces, to be honest. The amount of shit I have to put up with from you. Fair enough. <laughs> well, you'll be happy to know that this beer lives up to the billing. The iconic decadent dessert in a stout, rich and smooth, like vanilla ice cream with chocolate sauce and a sprinkling of hazelnuts to top it off. It's, it's exactly what it tastes like. Is there a sprinkling of hazelnuts on it? No. There, I mean, it tastes like there is. No, no, come on. Highly recommend that to the, the beer snobs amongst you who are listening. Right, what, what I want to start with this week is something that went round in our whatsapp group um a lot of people were in the back of the nest universe uh, doing keto diets and um hambo shared his progress of how much weight he's lost and albert his targeted ad targeted ad appears to be ugg boots the the thought of a uh, the thought of hambo in ugg boots i don't know why it's in my head it's only ugg boots um, <laughs> what an image <laughs> well, we did have that um, where he left his front door open and the police came in and found him in his birthday suit. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he could have just been wearing Ugg boots there and not have told us. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and there's your image. <laughs> uh, maybe just with that hoodie on the other week that he had. Uh... <laughs> um, right. I, I, I was I was kind of urban and ahhing whether to talk about our own Wambasaka Heskiff, but... <sighs> <laughs> we'll do it he's been a bit of a naughty boy hasn't he he has been a bit of a naughty boy um i don't know that i'm privy to all of the details but it sounds like he's um well he's been sliding in places he shouldn't <laughs> yeah i'll let you say that uh yeah not he hasn't done himself any favors especially when we've got screenshots um in the world it seems weird that a lot of People don't seem to think that if they write something not very nice, the people can just screenshot it and put it on social media. So he's not really done himself any favours there, has he? No, he certainly hasn't. We have um, some context. Have you, have you missed this? So, um, I don't know, something like Aaron's already got a girlfriend and he's got his bit on the side pregnant. Oh, no. and And she is Jesse Lingard's ex. Is that right? Is that what I'm getting from this? Heskiff, come, come on. Yeah, I think it is. Because Vanessa would know. That's, that's all very like um, t- TLC kind of TV show kind of stuff that she's into. She must be all over that gossip. <laughs> Real housewives of Manchester United. Yeah, well. But he was prone to diving in, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he was um... never one to pull out of a tackle. <laughs> Well, anyway, so the the woman, the lady um, who is the unfortunate party, is um, she also said, Albert, that for all those asking, uh, he's a, he's as bad in bed as he is at ball. So, oh no! Oh, which is yeah, I mean, it's the easy setup, isn't it? And that's a bit harsh. He is a very, very good footballer. So, so what? I mean, the, the screenshots were from the girlfriend who he had done the dirty on. Is that what we're saying? Correct. The bit on the side. No, the oh, bit no, the side. No, no, or there was two. I don't know because there was two. Didn't it? Wasn't there one where I don't know? It was. It, it all got a bit confusing. Who it's, was from what? But it sounds more confusing than our group chat about this podcast. <laughs> Certainly right. Um, but by the way, yeah. you still haven't called me back. <laughs> well, mate. Apparently, I'm not seeing your messages, so I must have you muted. I don't know. Unreal. Unreal. But uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to crowbar something in here about um, Aaron Wan Basaka not sticking to number one, but <laughs> the number one shirt of Palace has finally been taken by by Jack Butland, who's arrived from Stoke Heskiff. Uh, before we get into the number one jersey, and a lot of people saying it should have been retired, 
which is obviously nonsense because it's the number one jersey. But Coy, um, if we can, if Butland can find some of his early career promise, it a snip of a signing. Yeah, apparently it was only. Well, I've seen reports say half a million. I've seen some say a million. But even if it's a million pound, it's it's a good signing. Um, obviously, he lost his way a little bit in the last sort of year or so. But I think it's you know a new new place to to, to train and play. Hopefully, that will sort of kickstart him back into the path that he was on. Uh, another player capped by Roy, I think, for England. Yeah, correct. We're up to um, six now. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so we've got more than more than half the team now. Uh, if he plays. So, yeah, I think it's a good sign-in. He's still only 27, which is mental because he's been around forever. Um, and I think, you know, in the short term, he's great to have on the bench. Um, he's he's an upgrade on Hennessy, I would say. Uh, and, yeah, if he's only 27, not that I want to get rid of Great because I, I love him. Uh, but you think sort of in the long term, it's a pretty good sign-in as well, really. Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty terrible over the last couple of seasons, but of all the videos I've watched and uh, seen of the errors he's made, it's all down to decision-making and a lack of confidence. You can see what the problems are, so I don't think any of his quality has gone. It's just um, his head his headspace isn't right, so it's just whether we, we can sort that out as a club, whether we can work on that over the next couple of years where Guaita will be here and then time for him to take over the mantle when Guaita obviously, well, inevitably goes back to Spain to finish out his career. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to to see how that one turns out. But I think, um, yes, yeah, a bit of business that sort of, well, it didn't go under the radar, did it? Because it was the very last signing of them all. So it was it was kind of plastered everywhere for quite a while. But um, yeah, decent signing that I reckon in the long term. Uh, there's been reports today that uh, Wilfred Zaha, along with Akin Fenwa and Sterling, are the three most racially abused players Um this has come from the Football Association charity. Uh, I mean, it's no surprise, is it really, Albert? We we see we see Zaha sharing clips and screenshots and so on of what's going on all the time, and obviously Sterling's uh, been speaking out about it. So, I mean, it's still sad to hear, isn't it? Yeah, um, you know, and it just only goes to highlight that there is still a, a massive problem, you know, let alone f- f- in football in society with with racism and, you know, and there's probably thousands of messages aimed at, you know, all sorts of black footballers on social media that we don't see. But like you say, Wilf, Wilf isn't afraid to to highlight it and share it. And, you know, and, and Sterling's got a sort of a, if you can call it a good a good record of, of doing that and highlighting the issue, you know, as well. So, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done and, you know, it's it's... Again, there's people that say there's not a problem and it's, you know, it's nothing to worry about and it's it's not all that common and it's, you know, but the reality is it, it goes on all the time and, 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 you know, Wilf seems to, I mean, it can't be nice reading that and I'm sure, I'm sure he gets no joy out of it, but, you know, fair play for Wilf for, you know, highlighting it because I think, you know, highly paid footballers are sort of, the the impression of highly paid footballers is they're they're immune to those sort of things because oh well they're all right they're earning hundred grand a week but the reality mm-hmm. is you know any, anybody can be on the end of that abuse and when you're when you're a high profile footballer you're you're only more sort of subject to that stuff so it's it's disappointing to read but I think it, you know at the same time hopefully by people like Wilf highlighting it you know maybe the younger generation see it see how wrong it is and. And it sort of guides them away from, you know, ever, ever, ever feeling that way, or, or, or certainly feeling the need to throw it around on social media. You know. Yeah, well said. Well said. Uh, don't think we need any more on that. Moving on, uh, something uh, pay per view on on Sky and BT or whatever it is. I don't even know what channels it's on because I have no intention of doing it. But uh, fourteen ninety five for the games that are not being broadcast. Uh, I saw rumours that apparently only 74 people bought the Burnley-West Brom game. Um, I don't know if that's a made-up stat or whatever, but Heskiff, are you paying fourteen ninety five this weekend? Absolutely not. It's ridiculous. Mm. I think it's ridiculous. And, you know, what? what's really stupid is, <clears throat> on top of all the, you know, like I pay for Virgin, so I've got Sky and BT and 
paid my season ticket money up front and all that, and now we're being asked to pay more. But mm. the, the games that are going to be on telly, not on pay-per-view, are going to be the like Man City versus Liverpool, Arsenal versus Man United, whatever, you know, the so-called big clubs. They're not going to be on pay-per-view because they're the ones that get the biggest audience for, for, for Sky and BT. So no one's going to watch, you know, Burnley, West Brom or Palace versus Fulham or any any anything like that if they don't support the clubs. And so when you think of that and then say, well, I support one of the clubs and I'm still not going to pay 15 quid to watch it, you know, it just shows what a stupid idea it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm not going to pay for it. What I will do, and which is something that has been um, highlighted by the HF over the last couple of days, um, and what I did, what I did today, um, and and would sort of say that a lot of people should think about doing, is I donated that fifteen pounds um, to the local food bank, which you can do just by texting dinner and then whatever number, whatever number of pounds you want to donate to seven zero zero eight five, and it's gone to the Norwood and Brixton Food Bank, which is a much better um, way to spend that fifteen quid, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think. New, was it Newcastle fans did that on the weekend as well for their game that was done so yeah absolutely the right thing to do support your food banks and um, there's plenty of other ways to <laughs> find ways to watch the game I, uh, not that I encourage anything illegal of course <laughs> um, but sticking on sort of the money side of football there's been a lot of talk about the European Super League as well um, notably Manchester United and Liverpool wanting to break away and play in a league of top European sides. Now, When's our first fixture? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, uh, what what I find ultimately bizarre about this is that these are all teams that are either winning the title or at least challenging for the title every year. Sorry, you but just if, said Man United in that. <laughs> <laughs> I said a bit quietly because the wife's in the house somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, as I say, they're all challenging for the title or winning titles how are they going to deal with finishing bottom every season? Like, because say 15 teams go in there or 20 teams, only, only one of them can win the league and only three of them can legitimately challenge. You know, the psyche of these fans is that they're used to winning things and being up the top. What what are Man United going to do when they're battling it out with like Atletico Madrid at the bottom of the league? But Probably whinge a lot knowing my father-in-law and... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's. I can't say. I can't say. I've. Um, I've swatted up on the theory. I mean, I read a headline like that, and it's. It's kind of like next, especially after the what was the what was the thing last week? Big project bollocks, whatever it was called. Mm. Uh, I mean, it just feels like people are just chucking round ideas for, for the sake of it, and it. You know, it's it's not in the name of football. Uh, it's in the name of trying to maximise revenue for of what is already a very elite group of clubs. Um, and I mean, you know, the way, I, I, again, not, not having seen the list, not knowing what the criteria is, but isn't, isn't the Champions League really aimed at those, mm. those top, you know, top 15 clubs being in it sort of every season. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very rare that the last eight of a Champions League any given season isn't the majority, you know, majority of the same sort of 70% of the clubs that make that, that number. Is is that not enough? Um, mm. it, if- well, what, what I found also find amusing is that you know these are the managers that are always complaining of these clubs that there's too many fixtures and so on. So they want to break away into a league that is the same amount of fixtures, but you have to travel across Europe the whole time. And at the same time, they're talking about expanding the Champions League to have like four more groups or something, or have like eight, eight teams per group or some ridiculous thing like this. So. All they're doing is clogging up their fixture list even more. It's ridiculous, really. But yeah, I mean, but Heskiff, we we travel up and down the country when allowed to watch games, and um, it makes it's not going to make any difference to us, is it? We'll we'll still go to Burnley away. We'll still go to West Brom away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we we say it all the time that even if we we're in you know League One, League Two, National League, whatever, we'd all be going home and away anyway. So whether Man United are an away trip. Or not, that makes no difference to me, to be honest. Um, like Albert said, I think it's just an excuse for them to sort of 
build their brand because that's we all know that that's what these sort of clubs are rather than an actual football club anymore. So yeah, I, I'm not I'm not fussed at all. They can piss off. I don't care. Yeah, be a shame but, though because we got we we're getting used to those three points at Old Trafford so it'd be a shame not yeah, to get well, that's true. if the Manchester teams could stay so we can just have a nice easy trip up there and back that'd be alright actually <laughs> well I mean all of the top six really would be um, you know that stat that we've won the second most or third most at the top six of all the teams in the Premier League in the last five years um, it's been, been good pickings for us it's the I crappy just, teams I was just about to reel off that stat myself <laughs> exactly I'm sure he wasn't, no. no but wasn't. um it's been it's been doing the rounds, mate. Do some research before the pod, you know. I'm a natural, yeah. <laughs> um right. Brighton. Let's uh Moving on. Talk about the, the, the first <laughs> the, the first note I've got here it says uh Roy Hodgson Heskiff was lucky that there were no fans in the stadium when mm. that equalizer went in. Yeah, I agree. It it was a, a terrible performance, really. I don't think there's any way to skirt around the issue that to, to play your rivals. I mean, we've had this talk before uh, with Roy, where we haven't really seemed up for it. To play your 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 big rivals and only have one shot on target, and that's a, a penalty, is is awful. Um, and the you know the only good thing that would have been like funny is if we'd managed to shit out a one nil win without even having a shot on target outside of the penalty. But the goal was coming, you know, we all knew the goal was coming and whether it took a deflection or not, you can't say it wasn't deserved. Uh, and you're right. I think if, if the fans had been in there, it wouldn't have been a great atmosphere. And I think that's true since, since we came back from this lockdown, to be honest. Um, I think our fans are, are pretty good really fairly patient compared to some but the performances like that it's just it's just not okay um so yeah i definitely think it helps roy that he doesn't have people surrounding him giving him shit because i think he deserves it with performances like that unfortunately yeah you mentioned there that the only shot we had in the entire game was a penalty uh albert since they started recording records that's the first time it's ever happened that a team's only shot has been a penalty. Uh, and of course, that was our only shot on target in the last two games. Um, so we're scoring, we have the lowest expected goals um, number in terms of, you know, that, that new stat that came about a couple of seasons ago. Uh, we've had the fewest shots. Uh, we've had the fewest uh, passes in the final third. We've got the lowest percentage of possession in the entire top five European leagues on a, on a list here of very illustrious names such as Rems, West Brom, Cadiz and Augsburg. Um, <laughs> illustrious list. Yeah, but what? Yeah, but tell me the bad news. <laughs> but I mean, I guess the first two games really were a full storm scoring three at Manchester United appears to have been a bit of a liar to us because it's all getting back to exactly what it was during lockdown and nothing appears to be changing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> literally I could just let those stats speak for themselves. It, it, it doesn't need, it doesn't need me to say that that is crap. Um, and listen, I know it's a, it's a game of opinions and you know, there's people like there was, there's always you'll always you can always find people you know proposing a counter argument to what even seems to be uh something that's glaringly obvious and i know there was people still kind of defending um saturday's performance but when you when you put it in the like you know every anybody can have a bad a bad game so let even even in isolation all right we we, we got a point we that we didn't deserve bad day at the office you could just shake it off move on try and get a a better performance against Fulham. But when you put it into the wider context that you've just put it in, in terms of, you know, chances created, the game before, and then going back to the restart where it all went drastically downhill after the Bournemouth game, um, you know, there is there is something there is something wrong with the way the team is set up. Uh I don't know if it's if it's a mental thing. I mean the the play, you know, the players seem to be putting effort in, but it's not it's not conducive to creating chances and, and, and getting shots on goal. Um I know Hambo 
Hambo put a tweet up saying, you know, Roy Roy's excuse was he didn't have the squad. You know, we've gone out, we've we've addressed some of those issues. Um, and again, like again, as, as as Hambo said, you know, Roy's come out and said, oh, it's the best squad, you know, the best squad I've ever I've ever had, or what I've had to work with. But it's it there's just something there's just something gridlocked in the way that we play, and we just don't seem capable of getting the ball up the pitch apart from absolutely pinging it up to nobody or giving it to Wilf Zaha and hoping that he beats four players, you know, and, and travels 50 yards with the ball. Um, you know, and there was, I mean, it, it, it was the, the, the most fleeting of moments on Saturday in the first half, but, you know, Zaha had the ball just, just inside their half out on the touchline, managed to retain it after having about four people trying to sort of come in and, and chop him down. And the rest of the team just stood there and watched. You know, he, he he sort of broke free. You know, got a bit of space, put his head up, and and no and nobody had moved. Um, and it only makes it more sort of galling when you sort of read Roy's comments on Wilf after the game. And it you know it feels like everything goes through Wilf, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There's only so much one player can do. I don't care who that player is. Uh, and when it doesn't come off, you know, all of a sudden. You know, Roy's putting the booting on him, and he's the geezer that scored the penalty. Um, you know, it's uh, it was it was. I'm not going to use the word depressing because, like I say, we didn't lose the game, and and I know Roy will always come away saying, "Well, we didn't lose," which is great. But the 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 wider context of that performance is extremely worrying. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Haskiff. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I I you know, I saw a quote after the game where Roy was talking about how how we set up and that sort of thing. He said, "Oh, I'm satisfied with what I saw," which was ringing a lot of alarm bells for me because if 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 he's satisfied with that, then this is going to be a long old season. Um, but the thing, you know, before the game, the thing that I was thinking was, and in hindsight, it, it didn't really work out that way. But we always sort of say, "If only you play a more attacking team, if only you would play this player, that player," and we can always sort of fall back on that sort of like as an excuse where we set up quite defensively. Oh God, if you just played attack, more attacking players, we'd be fine. But on Saturday, uh, Sunday, sorry, against Brighton, when I saw the team, I'm like, that, that's that's a good team. That's a fairly like attack-minded team. Jimmy and Gyro in the middle, which is what I wanted after pre-season, you know, Batshuayi in, um, Schlup back in the team. And yet, we still come played. Off the bench. Yeah, we, yeah we, we, we had good options on the bench. And yet we still played progressively deeper as the game went on. Um, you know, the fact that the Roy then brings on Luca instead of Eze, for example, or the fact that we're like smacking the ball up, uh, hoofing the ball up the pitch, and we've got Benteke on the bench, but we haven't brought him on. So we just concede possession again. It's just, you know, I was giving Roy the benefit of the doubt a little bit by saying if only he'd play these sort of this sort of team, these sort of players. But even when we're playing them, it, it, it doesn't seem to make a difference. And like Albert said, I'm sure there are people who will see positives here and there. But I mean, if you're if you're happy with what you saw on Sunday, beyond well, at least we didn't lose. Then we've got very different values to what you want in our football team, and and um, I think a lot needs to change. And if we play like that against Fulham, who realistically should be there for the taking then I just don't know where else we go from there, to be honest. Yeah, it's a lot to unpick there. Um, I think Roy has been saying that 
um, all of last season uh, after the restart, he was saying, uh, you know, I don't think we're poor going forward. I think we're still creating good opportunities, but they're not, you know, they don't hit the stats. Um, he continue, he's continued with that narrative all the way through this season, particularly after the three goals at Old Trafford. He was saying, you know, kind of just getting towards that we were worthy of more goals last season as well. And that really concerns me that he's he's seeing games that way. I don't know if anyone watched uh, boxing. <laughs> um, Ritson, a guy, a Geordie, who was boxing on Saturday, um, he got battered for uh, 12 rounds in this fight. just got absolutely punched all over the ring by this bloke and um every time he was going into his corner his manager was telling him yep you've got this you're winning this fight you're winning this fight to which the whole watching public was just like well that's not the case the commentators were saying it's not the case uh but they you know they genuinely believed they were winning the fight of course um there's some suggestions that that fight might have been fixed and that the judges weren't even watching it when they scored it, but that's neither here nor there. Has a corner man ever said to somebody, mate, you're shit, you are not winning this? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Really? You, yeah, if you're, if you're seven, eight rounds into a fight and you've been beaten up for seven, eight rounds, they will tell them, you, if you want to win this, you've got to go down and knock, knock him out. Mama said, knock you out. <laughs> and they were telling him, they're just like, they it's just going into the final round where he's absolutely should be on the cards, like eight rounds behind. They're telling him to just stay behind his jab. Like it was ridiculous. But um, I'll be no. honest. Most of my boxing references and knowledge is derived from the Rocky franchise. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, entertaining movies, but not really like boxing. Uh, but anyway, but my point is, is that I'm just really worried that Roy is seeing it the same way in that sense that he's just, you know, every, everything's fine. You know, we, we'll stick with the process and the players believe in the process and it will get us the results we need. And I mean, it arguably it does get us the results we need across the course of the season as we've got enough points. But um, well, it does until it doesn't. That's the problem. You know, well, and, and I think we're where I think we're with it there. It doesn't yeah, now completely. The, because if you look at the games we've won since the restart, um, doesn't we take long. Bournemouth, we bought we beat Bournemouth, who was shit. Yeah, like as it turned out, got relegated. They were just terrible. We didn't know it at the point. We then beat Southampton in a one nil win, where Guaita pulled off two ridiculous saves, and we didn't create much else in that game. We beat Man United, who were in a mini crisis, who were shit at that point, and went and shipped six the following week or the week after. So, not not much going on there, and that's it. There are no other wins. We've never looked like we've never looked like winning any of the other games. We had a decent game against Chelsea when we lost three two, where arguably we were done enough to get a point. But other than that, there are no more wins. And now this game, we're going into Fulham on the weekend, and. I mean, if he goes there and he tries to sit, let Fulham have the ball and tries to sit and breaks down Fulham and it doesn't happen, it, no. it, can Parish sit there and continue to accept this? Well, just, you know, you think about when we played Fulham on the first game of the season when they came up last time, you know, we was it we nicked it 2-0, but in reality it was a, it was a terrible performance. And, you know, it's, you know, are we going to, are we going to get that? Are we going to get that this weekend? Like, yeah, we might, you know, I, I, it's just, it's for me, I, I just keep going back to the fact that we just don't create chances and we've got, we've got really good attacking players. I mean, how does Eze not get on the pitch on, on Saturday as in against the Brighton game? Like, you know, and I know it was late on, I know it was late on when, when Dunk gets sent off, but don't you, you know, that Don't very just, moment, yeah, yeah, just chucks, just chuck people on. I know it was an injury time, but there was a, there, you know, there was, what was there like eight minutes added on. You think just just chuck someone on and have a go. Like that, we 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 were we were already sitting back and we were solid enough to be honest. You know, like I say, they they only scored because of a deflection. As as as, de- as deserved as it was, it was still a relatively unfortunate chance to concede. Um, and I, you know, we only we'd only made two subs up until that point, and you sort of think, well. Well, do you know? It it just shows it just for me, and it might be a bit reductive, but it just looks like we don't want to win that game. You know, you're you got you got attacking players to bring on. All right, not a huge choice, but all right. He puts Benteke on. Fair enough. When we're pumping the ball up, I guess that's kind of makes sense. But it just it just shows a lack of 
yeah, we actually want to win this game. And to then come out and say, I'm satisfied with what I saw. Again, the wider context around it, it it's it's quite grim. It's quite grim. Mm. Well, I think is if you factor in the last game against Brighton at Selhurst as well, the 1-1 one, one oh. from last season, we only had two shots on target in that game. So Brighton have come to Selhurst Park twice in two seasons and only conceded three shots on target. Mm. It's unacceptable. And, and by the way, I don't think that Brighton are actually that good. They get a lot of praise for like playing pretty football and having a lot of possession, but I don't, I don't think they're that good. And their defence in particular, I don't think is that good. So like you say, to only have three shots in target over two games, that's awful. But they looked functional. You know, they, 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 were, they were getting the ball up the pitch. They, f- have an, they have an identity, that's yeah, for exactly. sure. Yeah, exactly. In a, in a far uh, uh, more efficient way than, than than we ever have for certainly the last but, but, 20 th- games. But that's the frustrating thing because I think if we play football a different way with the players that we've already got, we'd, mm. we'd, I reckon we beat them. We wouldn't hammer them. I think we beat them fairly comfortably. And that's coming from me, who's miserable about everything. And that's what's frustrating because we do have a decent squad. And like, like you said, Albert, we've got a lot of good attacking players now. You know, how how does a squad that's got Wilf, Eze, Batshuayi, Benteke, Townsend, Schlup, Ayu, only have... McCarthy. <laughs> but, but, you know, like even when we've got a player in like Gyro, who I thought was very good for the most part on Sunday, um, playing playing the ball that he did to Batshuayi for the offside goal, but there's no movement either. So you've either got to hope for a penalty like we got or hope that Gyro or whoever can play an amazing defence bit and pass at the exact you know microsecond to get it. And that we should be creating a lot of chances. The players that we've got, there's no need to sit and defend or or you know start the game f- fucking 30 yards out of goal and just invite pressure on there's no need to do it uh and it's just very frustrating and looking at the fulham game and i'm sure they'll beat us now i'm saying this but you know the few few games that i've seen of them they their defense looks absolutely atrocious like legitimately atrocious and if we if we can only count on having a shot or two against them then so we're doing it wrong i mean i i don't see how an opinion can be that coming out of a game with a shot on goal, two shots on goal is okay because I don't think it is. Well, I mean, we don't go after shit defences though. We saw that against Chelsea. Chelsea have the most rockiest defence in the league. They conceded another three on the weekend just gone and then sandwiched in between them conceding two and three goals every week is a clean sheet against Palace where we just sat back on our own 18-yard line instead of actually making them feel uncomfortable and getting balls into their into the final third in a hurry to actually, you know, test out our defence. just didn't happen. And it's and that, worrying. It really, and that, really and that's is. the thing. You know, there, there was a stat in the Brighton game, oh, when Palace score first, it's been 20 games or something. We haven't lost. But that's the problem because our game plan seems to be just don't concede the first goal. But then if we do concede the first goal, we don't really know what to do after that. So we just carry on. And that's exactly like you say, what we did against Chelsea. We let in that first goal and then nothing changed, you know, and it, it, it has to change. I, I, we can't carry on like this. I'm, I'm working myself up now. But yeah. it, it's just, I, I don't think we've got the excuse that we don't have the attacking players. I just yeah, don't I think, think that's the, the, the stat was 23 games now where we've won 19 and drawn four when we've scored first. Uh, I think the last the last time we lost when we scored first was against Liverpool in the four uh, three after Townsend's goal that that brilliant team goal that we scored in that game. Oh, but um, that. yeah, well, but if you th- th- there's been a lot of games since that point. Uh, we're talking we're approaching what 60, 60, 70 games since that point. So we're we're not taking the lead often enough, you know, in the in those games, and you know. Uh, if you think before lockdown, the three games where we we luck boxed three one nils really, we should have we should have probably drawn against Brighton. Uh, we only beat Newcastle at home because of a stunning free kick from Patrick Van Arnholt, um, and then we only managed to get one against Watford. And arguably, Watford were good for a point that day as well. So when did these narrow margins falling in our favour start to run out? And then those one nil wins start to turn into nil nils or nil one losses, 
uh, and we get stuck in a rut and can't change it. Um, I don't know. I, I, part of me feels like Roy does have another gear in him. I've said this before. He showed it when we had Ruben Loftus-Cheek in the team and he trusted us in the final third a lot more and you know was far more progressive in his play. And I was hoping that's what Eze was going to come in and do when we saw in pre-season that we'd switch to a four-four-two and we were going to try and replicate that. But at the moment, it's not working. Uh, am I being generous, Burton, saying there were some flashes? Uh, we saw some... Neat tri- like triangle was trying to happen in around the area, but we were just getting it quite wrong. And you know, Batshuayi and Zaha haven't played with each other up front at all. Um, you know, Schlupp's only come back from injuries. So, is is there anything to say that maybe Roy is trying to do this, but it just didn't quite come off on the weekend? Or am I being really generous there? Uh, I'll I'll allow your generosity. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to give him something, right? P45. Right. I'm not there yet, just for the record. I'm not there yet. That was a joke. Let's let's move on to a slight positive for, in the meantime, Gyro Riedewald came back in, um, replacing the injured McCarthy. And, I mean, but he was he was a bright spark, wasn't he? He was. He tries to, he tries to play football. Uh, and he's... Pa- pass forward, imagine that. I know, I know. And even the sideways passes were ever so slightly forward, which is <laughs> which is so refreshing to see. Uh, yeah, he, he, I sort of never really, I'd never really sort of studied him as a player. You know, it's not it's not a huge amount of times that he's started a game in the middle of the park, but you know, similar to almost a bit similar to Eze in the fact that he, I don't know how he does it, but he, he just seems to sort of goes past the player. Um, and then his head's up straight away, looking for a pass, and and I was quite, I was, I was quite sort of refreshed to see that. Like you know, he um, he's he's very reliable in the middle. We can he, he he can put a tackle in as well, and it's just it's just nice to see someone who who sort of it looks fairly effortless in the way. Like I say, they just sort of glide across the pitch with the ball at their feet, and they're they're at least trying to make something happen. But as you alluded to earlier, or I think Heskiff alluded to earlier, like. You know, a, a great pass is only a great pass if there's someone on the end of it, and you know, he, that's why most of our passes in the midfield tend to go, you know, sideways. Um, we've not got somebody trying to trying to drop off the shoulder of the last defender. You know, we're not going to, we're not, we don't, we don't see the fence splitting passes. In fact, I think the last time we saw them was when Loftus Cheek was in the side, and we battered Leicester five 0 well, hopefully that's something that can come from game time. So if, if Gyro manages to hold on to his place, like if McCarthy's out for a considerable amount of time, or even if he does come back from injury, you know, if Gyro finally gets his chance, uh, Batshuayi starts to get game time and he is he is the kind of man to hang on the shoulder of the last defender. Maybe playing with each other, we can see a bit more of that going forward. But um, it, it, it certainly needs to for Roy, I think, um, if he wants to survive the season. I mean, I, I I find it hard to see a scenario where he does get sacked unless we, you know, take zero points from our next five games where we really should be getting some points. Uh, but he'll probably be there at the end of the season. But some stuff needs to start going right for him sooner than later. Um, if he doesn't want to unceremoniously end up um, out on out on his rear. Uh, Heskiff, I've got here a penny for Lucas thoughts. Hmm. Well, there was a, a point in the commentary on Sunday where they, they showed Luca in the crowd and it said, you know, something like, oh, Palace fans will be wondering why he's so low down in the pecking order. And I just thought, well, not really. We're the ones who do know why. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I think it's probably the people who don't support Palace who are like, but he scores all their goals, doesn't it? Um, mm. I think, well, I think it ties into to having Gyro in the team. Like you say, Gyro's a lot more mobile, gets the ball moving quickly, which is what what Luca doesn't do. You know, he slows the game up too much, which which really hinders us because we <laughs> when we're not great going forward as it is anyway. Um and it's tough because I you know, I love Luca and, and a couple of years ago there can be no denying how important he was for us. And I say, you know, he's still a good player. I'm not saying that he's not a good player, but when you've got players like Gyro who are technically very, very good, like Albert said can run forward with the ball, got a good pass on them. And then someone like James MacArthur, who, despite his age, is still running around and must be covering more ground than any of our players. 
you know, that's what you need in the midfield. And I just think that if you put Luca in there, it slows it down. It, it hinders us quite a bit. So tough for him. Um, but I don't think that he can really complain. Because yeah, I mean, we've all said it. Credit to Hodgson for noticing it. But if he's going to play a two in the middle of the park, Luca just can't be part of that two. He, yeah, exactly. Since every time he's been there and he hasn't had Kabai alongside him, he's he's looked useless largely. So um, yeah, unless there's going to be a three in the middle of the park, I really don't see how he gets he's gets gets back in. Um, I'd I, look. I think we've all agreed that we need to go into Fulham and we need to show some willingness to get forward and score some goals and uh you know get those shots to get off the bottom of those tables more accurate passing a bit more possession some more shots on goal and actually you know make something happen because if we go to Fulham and we lose one nil or something like that I mean yeah it's it's a it's a slippery slope that we're on especially when you know you look at our fixtures and some of them look like fixtures we should be aiming to get points from but you know they're not against teams who are terrible terrible Premier League sides so I think Fulham's the one where you know they're going to be bottom of the table aren't they come the end of the season I'm pretty sure that's where they'll finish Um, hmm. so we'll see uh any optimistic predictions I know uh, uh, I I think we're going to get one from you I I can feel it Uh, but one all (laughs) (laughs) for gritted teeth but what about you Heskis nicked my one all bastard I think I'm, I think I might have said one all for the Brighton game, but not to gloat, <laughs> mate. If you if you're if you're gloating about that, then that's, that's a real sorry state of affairs. Uh, well, I don't really. Roy, want... Roy, Roy gloated about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to go. Let's not take the piss here. Wow, so, sorry, Roy. Um, I'm going to go two one Palace. Can you hear the conviction in my voice? Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to be optimistic and say that, you know, we'll get Eze and we'll look to have a lot more of the ball and look to get forward more. We'll win 2-0. Uh, but that's really super optimistic from me. Um, and more hope beyond hope, you know, it's been the anniversary today on the day of recording seven years since um, Kasami's goal at Celeste in that night where we lost 4-1. Um, ended up with Holloway getting sacked and um, <laughs> doing us a favour. Yeah, doing us a favour because they kept uh, Martin Yole for a bit longer and then ended up going down. So um, yeah, hopefully it's another pivotal result against Fulham on the weekend, but in a in a different way, <laughs> a different way. Okay, quick quick pop quiz, quick pop quiz. If it's on the anniversary of right, Roy Hodgson gets sacked this weekend. Tony Pulis is available. You can have Hodgson or Pulis. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, Tony Pulis uh, rocked out performances with way less possession than we're actually having now, and we're still Rock, with the lowest. Rocked out with his cock out, according to James Beatty. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> cap on. Uh, cap, cap on. Yeah. Cap on. Yeah. And bra- brown envelope tucked under his arm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think Pulis lost his mojo. I, don't, I can't can't lost, see it he lost his bonus i know that much yeah and, and after and after all that there's absolutely zero chance he's coming back is there uh i mean Allardyce you could see coming back <laughs> but i also doubt that but yeah i, I, I don't know I, sticking I, I, with roy they want roy to get to the end of the season don't they um and in an ideal world he does get to the end of the season and it's not a horrible season for us to all have to sit through but we don't have we'll to sit see. through it because we can't go to the games. That's the beauty of it. Mm, carry on. Yeah. Although they want you to pay 15 quid <laughs> to, to watch us have no shots on target um, or, sh- or or shots at all. You know, shots are overrated. But there you if go. We, if I, t- I, t- I don't know if anyone's listening. I don't know if I've thought about this. But if we win, I'll give them a fiver to watch a repeat. How's about that? Well, a fiver would have been a reasonable price to ask for in the first place, I think. I think yeah. if, it, if they would have said it was four ninety five instead of fourteen ninety five, there would have been a lot of difference. But I think it's designed to because the clubs take the profit, right? So I think it's designed to try and get the clubs some money in that they're losing out from gate receipts. But yeah, it's uh, uh, I think it was HLTCO who said it's like buying a Glastonbury ticket for half the price and just watching it on TV. 
or, or on your iPad in a field. It just, it, you know, you, you're not asking for the same thing. A game costs on a Palace season ticket about 28 quid to watch. You're asking for 15 quid to watch it on a budget Sky Sports broadcast on like basically a red button thing. It's just, it's not right. But we've already gone over that. We're going over old ground. Um, <clears throat> right. So what's next week? Who we got Who we got the following week? Who, uh, is it Wolves? Is it Wolves? It is. It's on the Friday as well. So we'll have to... Um, it's another 15 quid, isn't it? On, the, on a Friday night game, is it really? Oh, maybe not. I don't know. I'd, ass- I'd assumed it min move for Friday night Sky, which they have every now and then. But... I just wanted to have another moan. <laughs> well, you might be able to, uh, probably about the Fulham game first. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be back next Thursday to talk about the upcoming Wolves game. Um, Albert, you're, you're not planning any more excursions? No, not going to any high-risk areas next week, I don't think. <laughs> Good stuff. And uh, Heskiff, you'll be here, of course. Always. Yeah, so hopefully we'll be back in a bit more of a less less grumpy, sad kind of resigned mood next week after a resounding win against Fulham and uh, we can all start looking to the bright side of things again. So until next week, up the palace. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.